Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. That was, that was creative. Amen. Praise God. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. I'm glad to see I'm glad to see you again. We we continue to see more and more of you, and and uh, it's it's so good to see your half face uh, this morning. That was a bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> you might you might notice um, when you when we dismiss that uh, you might see some some faces that maybe you haven't you haven't seen before. And praise God, you know that. While we weren't in the building the past several months, we were still having church and people were still being reached. And we have we've added we've added new new family members uh, to our ministry. Praise God. So if you if you see someone that you don't recognize, introduce yourself, ask them what their name is and make that that new relationship. Amen. God is good. I hope that you have had a good week. Amen. Um, I want to just before anything, I want to continue asking for, for prayer for our our um, brother Cardona, um, because he is uh, he, he's one of the pillars of this church. He has been a, a part of this church for a very long time. Uh, very, very respected. And and he loves this ministry. Earlier this week, he was in a pretty bad accident, which kind of messed up his 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 back. And um, there's there's been some good news, uh, which is which is good. Um, but we expect kind of a long recovery. So let's just continue to lift him in, in, uh, in prayer whenever you uh, pray. Amen. Uh, I have a message this morning. It's out of the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John 18, 15, 27. And I, I didn't write down in my notes. And when I don't write things down in my notes, I forget things. At the end of service, we are dedicating my daughter so don't let me forget. <laughs> Amen. John 18, 15 through 27. If you have it, give me an amen. Amen. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known by the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. And the servant girl, uh, girl at the door said to Peter, you are, not, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves, and Peter also was with them. We're going to skip down to verse 25 to continue following Peter's story. It says, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I'm not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. Why don't we pray over this word? Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, because I know that you are speaking this morning, Father, as you have been speaking the past, um, the past Sundays, Lord. And, and I pray right now, my God, as we open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word, my God, that we may walk out here uh, 
challenged. We may walk out here convicted, my God. We may walk out here changed, my God, and, and, and not return here the same next week. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Dangerous Truth. Dangerous Truth. How many of you know that, da- uh, that truth can be dangerous? Truth can be offensive. Truth can be unpopular. It can, it can be dangerous. And, and I was kind of chuckling over here while I was on the keys, while uh, Angel was, was speaking, and he was talking a lot about truth and, and how we must speak up for the truth. You know, I believe that we continue to live in what's known as a, as a postmodernist world. And postmodernism is this idea that everyone has their own version of truth. And so you have a truth, I have a truth, and let me just speak my truth. And my truth might not be your truth, but it's my truth. So I'm going to protect my truth. And what's true for you, that's okay, but it's not true for me. Does that sound like truth to you? When we speak about truth, I want you to know when I'm speaking about truth, we're talking about like deep truths, deep truth. I want to define some, some terms before we dive in too deep. When the Bible talks about truth, it's talking about what's right and what's wrong. It's talking about what is. It's talking about how things are. It's talking about how we got here. Those are things that cannot be subjective. You can't have a right answer and I have a right answer. There's, there, there's an, a right answer and that right answer is the truth. There's only one truth. Society, and we have, we have catered to this idea, we have catered to the devaluing of the meaning of the word truth. Our society has devalued the word truth. And I understand something, something might be true for you that isn't true for me. And, and we call that truth. That's not truth. That's experience. That's experience. For example, something, something might be true for you based on your experience, based on the way that you grew up, based on what you were taught, based on, on, uh, on, your, on certain conditions and situations, and that might be true for you, but if I grew up in a different environment, that truth that you have is not my truth. That's not truth. That's experience. And we do this a lot of times where we call it, well, this, this is the truth because this is the way my mama raised me. Your mama could have been wrong. <laughs> not y'all's mama. Y'all's mama's like... Hermanas, don't come at me. But that's experience. And we call that truth. Truth is also not uh, subject to interpretations. But many times we, we make it seem that way. So a lot of times we'll call something true solely based on our interpretation of it. And, and, and we'll, we see this specifically a lot in in the church, you know, Christians, this is why we have differing, slightly differing theologies and, and doctrines, because there are a few things that we interpret differently. And of course, the way that one person interprets scripture might be true for them, while the way that another Christian interprets that same passage might not be true for them. And so that, that's, that's not always truth either. That's interpretation. So we have to know the difference when we say the word truth. I want you to know When we're talking about truth, when the Bible speaks about truth, it's talking about truth that is absolute. It can't be changed. It is irrefutable. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It doesn't matter if you don't know that it's true. It doesn't matter if you've experienced it or not. Truth stands outside of what you believe about it, what you know about it, and what you've experienced from it. 
It stands alone. The philosophy of truth, it's been studied for, for thousands of years, man. It really happened. Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? It's a, it's a question that's been around for as long as, as humans have been curious about how they got here. It's been studied for thousands of years, and we've even reached certain points where, where some philosophers have said there is no truth. It doesn't exist. Truth is just is subject to personal experience and interpretation and relativism. And this is scary because this means that what society deems as true today might not be true tomorrow. Do you realize how scary that is? So if we say that today something is immoral because society has deemed it so, we need to be prepared for the possibility that tomorrow it's not going to be considered immoral because society deems it so. And so we're just defining terms as we go. And we're living in times where we see the unfolding of this right before our eyes. Things that we would have never considered right just a few decades ago are being accepted and are being considered okay. And, and the obvious question for me is, well, how, how far do we go? How far does this go? If there is no truth, that there is no line to be drawn. The line will always move as we adopt new truths. So this is scary. And this is kind of the world that we're living in. Now, you and I know that a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he presented himself as true. And he says some crazy things crazy things that if he would have come today, many of us might have looked at him crazy too. He said things like I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Some crazy stuff. He said, I am the way you, you want to get saved. I am the way I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You got to go through me. Some crazy stuff, man. And then John 1, 1 opens up with this massive truth claim. In the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Crazy. And then Jesus, he did things. And the the gospel of John talks about this. That gave him credibility about the, the things that he said about himself were true. So he didn't just say crazy things. He did crazy things. He did things that were not possible. Things that would make you go, man, maybe, maybe he's telling the truth, man. Because I, I, I don't have any other explanation for it. Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he is God. And while so many people came to recognize the truth, Jesus, man, Jesus had, had, has a massive impact on, on humanity. And while so many people came to realize the truth of Jesus, so many other people didn't. And among those who didn't were his own people. And the reason they rejected the truth was because it didn't line up with what they expected the truth to look like. You know when you have expectations of what you think truth should look like? That's not truth either. It's expectations. Sometimes our expectations aren't met. Sometimes the reality is different than what we thought was coming. And today, the truth of Jesus still remains true. Amen? Amen. Nothing has changed. You can't change what is absolutely true. 
Yet so many people have rejected it for their own version of truth. Everyone likes their own version of truth. It makes makes us feel safe, right? Makes us feel safe when something that we have believed to be a certain way stays a certain way. Because we've been saying this before, like nobody likes change. And so when your worldview changes, that is the biggest change that anyone can make. So everybody likes to have their own version of truth. It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel comfortable. And then the minute you begin to challenge someone's belief about what is true, it makes them uncomfortable. They either don't want to talk about it. They want to leave the room. And even if someone can't explain why they believe something, even that doesn't matter. It's just my safe zone. And we're going to stay that way. And when Jesus came, he came and he challenged everything, everything that the people believed about the Messiah, everything. No one, no one expected the Messiah that came. They should have because it was written down. But they, 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 they had a different version of what it looked like. And Jesus came and he challenged that worldview, that expectation. And, and so if a person was going to believe in Jesus they had to either shift their entire perspective of what they expected or they were just going to reject the truth altogether. That was it. You either change what you thought was coming and you accept what is or you reject what is. This is why truth can be dangerous. Truth is dangerous, man, because it is often not popular. It's often isn't what people like to be true. It's not, it's not often politically correct. Come on. Many of us are familiar with this story of Peter denying Jesus, right? Um, Jesus had predicted just a few hours before that Peter was going to do this. Peter, you're going to deny me before, before the rooster crows, before dawn, you're going to have denied me three times. And, and Peter's talking a big game. He's like, I'll, I'll never disown you, Lord. I'm your boy. I'm, it's me. It's Peter. It's me. These, these chumps, these other disciples, they might, but, but not me. And it's so, it's so easy it's so easy to talk a big game when, when we're with the right people, right? It's so easy to be confident when, when we're not under pressure, when we're right with the right people. It's so easy to talk a big game. Maybe this is why, you know, it's, let's be honest, it's easier to preach Jesus in church rather than it is outside of church. Because in church, Jesus is popular. You all know the songs. We're all singing together. I, I, I see you rocking and moving. And it, I mean, it pumps, it pumps me up. It pumps the person next to you up. I mean, it's easy to preach Jesus. It's easy to preach to the choir. It's easy. But, but when, when we leave the church walls, which is actually where Jesus commanded us to bring the gospel message, it's not as easy. And we have to, we have to be careful what we say and how we say it. Sometimes we can't even say the word Jesus. Peter was so confident because he was with people that he was comfortable with. He was with his disciples. And and when Peter was with this inner circle, he was was known for for speaking his mind. He would tell you like it is. Peter was the action guy in his inner circle. If 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 you just read the Gospels, it was Peter who stepped out of the boat. He, it was only Peter who stepped out of the, the, the boat to walk on water with Jesus. It was Peter who defended Jesus by attacking the centurion guard who tried to have him arrested. It was Peter who said, I'm not going to deny you, Lord. 
It was Peter who first said out loud and recognized that you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. It was Peter. He recognized the truth and he wasn't afraid to let everyone who he was comfortable with know it. You get that little caveat? In his inner circle, he would speak his mind. You know how some people are like, like some, some people in your family member, like in your family, they're goofy, they're crazy, they're weird. And out here, people are like, you're so quiet, right? And the, and the person, and the person next, uh, the person uh, that's a part of that household is like laughing, like you don't, you don't know this person. It's because we're comfortable being goofy. We're, comf- we're comfortable with the people that, we're, that, that we know. But as we see here, you take Peter out of his inner circle and his confidence goes away. And may, maybe it's not that he's not confident in what he believes. He's just afraid to make it known. Because even, even though Peter knows the truth of Jesus, he's afraid of speaking that truth because it's dangerous. He's, he's lost that assertiveness that made him Peter. And I, I know that we all have a little bit of that Peter in, inside of us where we're, we're comfortable speaking certain things around certain people. Even my, even my daughter, Layla, she, man, Layla is, she is known in our family for being, uh, she, she's going to let you know what she thinks. She's going to, she's very direct. She's going to speak her mind. She's very strong willed. Um, she, she, uh, she tries to be conscious about feelings because we're working with that, but sometimes she just if, if it's going to hurt your feelings, oh, I don't care, right? It, it, it's oh well. But then you put someone in front of her who she's not very comfortable with, that, that confidence kind of, it's not as easily seen. That's natural for us to do. The things that you know might offend someone, you'll say a lot faster to someone that you're comfortable with than someone that you're not comfortable with. I've got some people in my life who let me know the minute I put on a couple pounds. The weight police, man. They, Pastor Mighty says one of those people. I mean, I'll put on like a pound or two, and she's like, "Dude, you've you've gained weight, right?" And she says it like I'm dying, like you've gained weight, huh? Right? Like, like I just had lunch, right? Just give me a break. Uh, but but Marisa, I've known Marisa for a very long time. I, I consider her a sister. She's comfortable telling me things that I hope she wouldn't say to someone else. I hope you're not just people you've never met. Like, have you always been this big? I hope that's not you. But to me, she'll let me know. That's a natural thing for us to do, to speak the truth in places we're comfortable. But can I tell you something, church, that when you feed into this idea of only speaking truth in comfortable situations, what we end up doing is we prioritize our level of comfort over the truth message. And, and when we do this, when we do this, when, when the message to be conveyed is Jesus, what does that mean? We're putting Jesus second to our comfort. And I'm preaching this today to let you know, man, we cannot be afraid to speak the truth to people. Because we're living in a world that needs to know the truth of the gospel. They need some of some people just need to be told like it is. Some people are, they, they, they have no idea. Their, their construct of truth is incredibly twisted. 
There's a world that needs to know the truth of Christ. And here's the sad thing. If people only get it when they come to church because the church is afraid to go out there, then we're not going to get that far. And I'm going to, I'm going to share your dream if that's fine. Uh, Pastor Damaris called me this, this, uh, this week and she, you know, she wanted to share a dream with me and, and, uh, it was, it was a beautiful dream. Uh, she said, she said in her dream, she had seen her grandfather who has passed away and, uh, Maritza's grandmother. And she's never met Maritza's grandmother. And, and so when Damaris was describing her Maritza's grandmother to Maritza, she was like uncanny. Like you, it was, you got it spot on. And basically the, 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 the dream was we were worshiping in here. Like we do Sunday after Sunday and the presence of God is always, you know, he's always falling and we're, we're just, we have, we rejoice in his presence. And, and, and someone said to, to Damaris in the dream that I see angels worshiping with your church. I see angels worshiping with your church. You, you, got, you have a, such a sweet spirit, a genuine spirit in your church. And when she said that, I, I was like, praise God. What a beautiful dream. Thank you for sharing that, sister. Goodbye. And she was like, wait. <laughs> and, then, and then she said that she saw like a, like a, like a cloud of fire or like a, a volcano that was, was coming our way and it, and it came our way and, and, and we weren't consumed. The church wasn't consumed. Praise God. But then someone in, in, in her dream said to her that you are worshiping and you're doing everything right. But there's a world out there who's never going to experience what you have in here. Because the church has been so consumed with having church that we have forgotten to be the church. And, and, and it's a powerful dream. And, and so that's why I say we need not be afraid of speaking the truth. I hope I didn't butcher your dream, sister. <laughs> but Peter, he, he goes a step farther, right? Because not only was he afraid to speak the truth, but he cowered away by disassociating himself with the truth. Peter didn't just not speak up. He cowered away from knowing Jesus. We're, we're, living, we're, we're living in this age of cancel culture <clears throat> where if someone one time said something that was okay to say back then, but is not okay now because we like to define truths as we go, then then you can be canceled. And so this is why we have people apologizing for things that they said such a long time ago. It's just, it's on the record. So anybody can find it. Anybody can find the video. So we need to put it on the record that, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't mean this. And look, I'm totally fine with apologizing. We need to learn how to apologize for things sometimes, but man, this whole cancel culture thing, man, like what happened to forgiveness? What, what happens to knowing that people aren't perfect? We, and then we have people in, in executive or high profile position that are being let go from, from their organizations because there's this disassociation thing that happens where, okay, you, you represent 
my organization, but you said that thing, so we're going to have to let you go because you're going to taint our brand. You are going to taint our organization. That's all that this was here. Peter canceled Jesus for a minute. That's it. I'm going to disassociate myself. I'm going to step back. I, I, I don't know him. For fear of his life, for fear of his reputation, he had to disassociate himself from Jesus, even though he knew that Jesus represented absolute truth. And we end up being like Peter, church, more than we realize. Because if you notice, in this passage that we read, Peter follows Jesus into the courtyard. He follows him in. He doesn't escape. He doesn't run away. Where are all the other disciples? He, he actually follows Jesus. So at this point, Peter hadn't yet denied being a disciple of Jesus. In fact, we could even argue that maybe he was there because he was a disciple of Jesus. Maybe he wanted to be there for Jesus. Maybe he wanted to see what the outcome of the arrest was going to be. He wanted to let Jesus know that he was a faithful disciple. But then when he was asked about it, Peter literally denied knowing the truth. He was challenged. And church, we're going to be challenged in this life. We're going to be challenged for what we believe. We're going to be challenged for the Jesus that we preach. And, and it's scary because when you're challenged, it almost feels like a threat. It feels like a threat. Everybody knows my, my in-sync story. I was in elementary school. I was outed by my little girlfriend in front of all my friends for liking the boy bands, in-sync and Backstreet Boys. One of the most embarrassing days of my young life. <laughs> He's like, yes, brother. Yes, it should be embarrassing. <laughs> I was sitting at lunch, fifth grade, and uh, mistake number one is having my little girlfriend come over and sit with me. Mistake number one, having a little girlfriend while in fifth grade. Uh, <clears throat> and all the moms say, amen, pastor. <laughs> but I'm sitting there with my friends, and, and, and she just casually brings up the fact that I'm a fan of NSYNC. And I, the, when, I, when I tell this story, the way I play it back is like, you know, in the movies where like there's a whole bunch of chatter. There's there, everybody's kind of doing their thing, and and then there's just like one famous like jaw dropping line in the movie, and then everybody stops what they're doing. The silence in the room, and everybody's looking at you. That's how I. That's how it felt. And then and then my friend says, "You like in sync?" And I felt challenged, I felt threatened. I felt like Peter for a second, <laughs> and I immediately started to backtrack. I was like, "I don't. I don't. I mean, there's one song that's okay." Right? Like, I mean, because I didn't want to be canceled by my friends. I didn't want to be laughed at. I like that table that I sat at. That's why I'm saying that truth can be dangerous sometimes. Now, even though I denied liking NSYNC, I, I probably went home that day and jammed bye-bye-bye. <laughs> With no shame. We can't do that, though, church. We can't have the convenience of denying the truth when it's comfortable for us and then embracing it when it's comfortable again. Can't do that. That's, that's hypocrisy. Peter wanted the convenience of being next to Jesus. That's why he followed him into the courtyard because Peter loved Jesus. Jesus was his Lord. He had become one of his best friends. He believed Jesus to be what he said he was. He had become comfortable with Jesus, but he also knew that it was dangerous. And he knew that the situation called for the death of Jesus. He knew that the message that Jesus brought was not popular among the Jewish leaders. So he wanted to be able to receive the truth in his life, but also deny knowing it when it became too dangerous. The Bible talks about 
Days that are coming, church, that are going to be so dangerous for Christians. Really. I mean, it's all over Revelation. Like, it's going to be tempting to disassociate ourselves from the truth. We see it now. And anytime we disassociate ourselves from God, anytime we disassociate ourselves from God, even though we had believed it, even though we had accepted it, that disassociation becomes a temporary rejection. And we cannot be the church if we're disassociating ourselves from the truth when it's convenient for us to do so. I don't know how I'm preaching today. I hope I'm preaching all y'all. If we're afraid of showing a little bit of Jesus out in the world because a little bit of Jesus might offend people, we're doing it wrong. If we can't call sin, sin, we're doing it wrong. If, if we say things like, well, all you have to do is be a good person. That's all God cares about. No, no. We're disassociating ourselves from the truth for a, for a less offensive truth, with, which is no truth at all. I'm almost done. In the same chapter... Jesus is talking to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, he's a Roman governor. And, and Pilate asks Jesus, he says, why do your people want to execute you? What, what did you do? What terrible thing could you have done to make them bypass their system to bring you to me so that I can order an execution? What did you do? And Jesus basically tells him, I have come to establish my kingdom. And my kingdom is not exactly what they thought it was going to be. My kingdom is not what they had in mind. My kingdom is not of this world. And verse 37 says, the reason I was born, this is Jesus, the reason I was born and came into this world was to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Truth is dangerous, church. It's dangerous. And you have to know this as a Christian. But we cannot create for ourselves an exit door to the truth. Once you enter, you, you enter, you're in. We have to acknowledge that, tr- that truth can, can hurt, it can, it can offend, it can, it can divide. That's what Jesus said. He said, the, the message that, I bring, that I'm bringing is going to divide families. That hurts. Mother will be against son because the son believes what is true and the mother does not. The truth is dangerous and that is what it can do. And you have to know that. And if you're going to be a Christian, you have to be bold enough to accept that truth is dangerous and face it when it comes. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, and with this verse I'm going to end, he tells Timothy something very, very profound. Paul's on his way out. He's, he's, he's fought the good fight. He's lived a life just not being afraid to speak to the truth, even though in his circumstance it got him killed. And he tells Timothy something very profound. It's in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. Just, just highlight that, save it, mark it. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. This is for you, church. He says, for a time is coming 
Listen. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth. They will chase after myths. Verse 5 says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Don't be afraid even though it's dangerous. Don't be afraid. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. How those words don't ring true today. Church, we know what the truth is. In the place that you work, there are people who don't. The people where you go to school, they don't know. The people in your social group, some of your friends, some of your family members, they, they're unaware. Are you up for the challenge? <clears throat> I mean, I said we stand this morning. Right there where you're at. Let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray over this word. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning, my God, thanking you, Lord, for this word that is hard to hear, my God, because it is a challenge, Lord, and we don't like to be challenged, Father. But we know, Father God, that that when we go out, Lord, into the world, Father God, that we represent you, Lord. That when people ask us about our peace, when people ask us about our joy, we can point it to you, my God. All the glory be shown to you, my God, in Jesus' name. I pray, my God, that that we may know the reality of the world that we live in, Father God, that we may become aware of it, Father. And I pray, my God, that we may be a beacon of hope for someone Someone in our circle, Father God, I pray that you give us confidence, my God, in Jesus' name. Give us boldness, my God. Take away the fear and the timidity, my God, in Jesus' name. Because there is a world that needs you. It needs you. Right there with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to what we do on this Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.